Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. This special edition episode of the Mod Pod has been developed and sponsored by Genetics and iCare Today. Hello, listeners. Thanks for returning to the podcast miniseries, Genetics and Eye Care Today. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Hugh and joined by Dr. Melissa Barnett. Hello, everyone. I am an anterior segment surgeon and partner at Virginia Eye Consultants, which is a multi-specialty private practice in southeastern Virginia. I'm also an assistant professor of ophthalmology at the Eastern Virginia Medical School. And I am the principal optometrist at the University of California Davis Eye Center in Sacramento in Davis, California. As you know by now, this mini-series has been exploring the intersection of genetic testing and eye care with a specific focus on Avigen, the genetic eye test. If you missed the first few episodes of Genetics and Eye Care today, please look back in your podcast feed to download and listen to them after you're done with this episode. Well, that's great for intros, and let's get on to the show. Now that we have a genetic test to help diagnose keratoconus earlier, it's important to discuss the conversation with patients about genetic testing. One of the unique dynamics of the Avagen genetic eye test is that Avellino, the company that manufactures the test, offers patients working with the doctor one-on-one personalized genetic counseling sessions, an offering that may appeal to patients who are eager to learn more about their genetic profile as it relates to their potential to develop gene-based ophthalmic diseases. Joining us today in the first part of this episode is Paul Dorsey, a genetic counselor at Avellino. He's here to answer a few of our questions, which I'm sure are questions the audience has as well. So Paul, thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on Genetics and Eye Care today. It's great to be here. Thank you for being here, Paul. So start at the top for us. What is the average length of a genetic counseling session and what does it entail? Yes, uh, the average length of the session is approximately 30 minutes. Uh, If the patient does need more time, can definitely accommodate for that. Uh, It is a virtual visit, so it's on telehealth through a secure length. And what the patient can expect is prior to their visit, we will will gather more information from them to get more detailed family history and clinical history on the extended family, which will help with the visit as well as spending time looking into the specific variants that were found in their test so we can help to modify that risk in the discussion. What they can expect when they start is really try to get a sense of what they'd like to get out of the visit themselves. And then we review the family and clinical history with them. I'd like to talk about the implications of the test results as far as it applies to their overall clinical and family history in the extended family. So what are some of the most common questions that you encounter during these sessions? Well, patients are really usually focused on the implications of the results and their immediate health, and they really would like to discuss um, the more extended implications for family. Those are two of the most common things, and also anything they could be doing to help reduce risks. And that makes a ton of sense. I mean, how detailed do you get in your explanations when speaking to patients? Because certainly we could end up going down rabbit holes um, with regards to discussions. And when we think of polygenic diseases like keratoconus, it can get confusing. 
Correct. Yes. So we're genetic counselors are trained to take very complicated information and try to put it into a format that's easy to understand. We do not discuss treatment recommendations with patients, but we make it very clear, for example, in the case of keratoconus, that this is not an absolute risk, that really that is a relative risk based off what we see in a large population of individuals and try to make them help them understand that this does not definitely mean one way or the other they'll have the disease, but really try to put it in context of what the true risk is. Do you find it useful to connect with the clinician who performed the Avagen test before meeting with the patient? The physician will be explaining the results to the patient prior to our visit. So if it's helpful for the clinician to discuss those results with me prior to discussing with the patient, I'm very happy to do that. But it's really up to the physician whether they find that useful or not. This is great information, Paul. What sort of information are you looking to receive from the doctor and the patient prior to a counseling session? Yes. So the the information that's provided on the test request form, it's very important that the physician do the best they can to fill out the family history information, as well as any relevant clinical information that they've seen. And that's a really good start for the genetic counselor. But prior to the visit, they will be gathered, the genetic counselor will gather more extended information on the family, as well as their own clinical history. Do you have any recommendations or best practices for sharing genetic test results with patients so that doctors can present it prior to the genetic counseling session in a way that is easy for the patients to understand? Yes, well, in the case of keratoconus, when we're talking about a polygenic risk score, it's really important that they understand the difference between an absolute risk and a relative risk. Um, An absolute risk is something when we have a single gene mutation, obviously, we know with this particular change, these are the probabilities of disease, and we can put very specific um, numbers to that. Whereas in a relative risk, we're really comparing a large population of individuals who've had the disease with a population that doesn't and giving a range of risk from that. So that is really the most critical thing that the patient would need to understand. What report does the doctor receive once you have had the genetic counseling session with the patient? Yes, the genetic counselor will create a summary of the visit. It will um, provide detailed information that was gathered, the extended family history and clinical history, so the physician can have that, as well as a summary of the discussion, any questions that were asked by the patient, and how the responses were given by the genetic counselor. That is provided back to the physician and encouraged to be shared with the patient. That's great information. Where can doctors go to learn more about the Avagen genetic eye test? Sure. Uh, the best place to start would be at avalino.com. There's a lot of helpful information on the process that's available to physicians there. Well, thank you so much for answering all of our questions, Paul. Okay, listeners, we'll be back after a short break. This special edition episode of the Mod Pod has been developed and sponsored by Genetics and iCare Today. Introducing the concept of genetic testing might take some patients by surprise. After our talk with Paul Dorsey in the first half of the episode, we have a better understanding about what occurs from the patient perspective at a genetic counseling session. But let's discuss the doctor's interactions with a patient after the topic is brought up. Dr. Yu, based on your experience, what advice do you have for doctors having a conversation about genetic testing with their patients? Melissa, that's a fantastic question. Um, Now that we are understanding uh, the availability of how we can incorporate genetic data uh, to our advantage in the clinical decision-making process, 
know, now we have to think about how we're going to speak to our patients as well and when to consider genetic testing like Avigen. Um, I essentially review my concerns about the patient's history and clinical exam findings before introducing the topic of genetic testing because I want the patient to understand the reason for why the test is being recommended. This may include showing the patient their irregular curvature on their topography or verbally explaining what the average corneal curvature is relative to what their actual corneal curvature is. And then, you know, what family history is concerning and if they've got any additional environmental factors like rubbing that also concern me. And I communicate the benefit of doing the actual genetic test. In the past, we've had to wait to see changes or progression, but now we have a genetic test that can help us decide more quickly on next step for management. And it's really great that we have a test that has analytically 100% specificity and 100% sensitivity to do so. So it is extremely uh, accurate test, which I feel is going to help me in the clinical um, process with my patient. So let's say for in the case of a LASIK evaluation, I let them know that we want to rule out conditions like keratoconus that would cause us to not perform LASIK, but instead point us to treatments in other directions, whether it's PRK with possible cross-linking in advance of their surgery or ICL surgery, staying in spectacles. Um, but I need to uh, decide um, those final results after I receive the actual data from the Avigen test. So Dr. Barnett, what are some of the questions from patients that you hear after they hear about their need for genetic testing? That's a great question, Liz, and I've had the opportunity to talk to many of my patients about the Avigen genetic test, and my patients have asked a variety of questions. So some of them include, do I need to prepare for the test? How invasive is the test? Is it painful? What is the cost? That might be the most common question. How long does it take to get results? And how much of my DNA are they sequencing and does it stay private? So I tell my patients that the test is really simple to perform, even in children, because many of my patients who have keratoconus, they do want their children tested. We simply use a cotton swab and swipe the inside of the cheek to collect DNA from the cells. We then send the sample to the lab for genetic testing, and we'll have the results in approximately two weeks. The results are, of course, private and are not shared. So I'm curious how you specifically have this conversation with patients. If you don't mind, let's do a little role play. Pretend that I'm the patient, and how would you speak to me about genetic testing? Let's say I'm in for a contact lenses or a spectacle examination with you. So I'm pretending that you're the patient. So Liz, I see that you have an increase in astigmatism in the right eye by 0.5 diopters and the left eye by 0.75 diopters. This is compared to your prior prescription, which you mentioned is about two years old and was done when you were 17 years old. Liz, let me show you this Pentacam image. You can see that this bow tie bulges more at the bottom and it looks just a little bit different between the two eyes. There's also a slight decrease in the corneal thickness in the right eye, as you can see right here. So I'm just a little bit concerned that there might be more going on. 
please keep in mind your eyes look really healthy, front and back. We dilated your eyes. They look great. And you actually have really good vision with your current classes and contact lenses as well. Let me investigate just a little bit more about what your inherent risk is towards a weaker cornea. There's actually a genetic test that can evaluate risk factors, and this could be a good option for us in order to move forward. This genetic test can tell us about your genetic risk for developing keratoconus, a condition that can impact your vision. It will help us decide whether we should just watch your eye more closely over time with more frequent follow-up visits or consider a treatment option to strengthen your cornea. Now that was fun. Let us swap roles. So I'm the patient and I'm here because I'd like to undergo LASIK. Tell me, how do you bring up the genetic testing in the course of an evaluation? Sure. Um, okay, so let's say, Dr. Barnett, you're my patient. Um, I'm looking at all of these numbers, Dr. Barnett, and everything looks really good. I'm really pleased that your glasses are several years old, and that's pretty much the same prescription that you're wearing. That's a great sign. I'm looking at your corneal thickness and your tissue level is just a little bit on the thin side. And that's important because for your prescription, we have to remove a certain level of tissue. So starting off with more tissue is better than less. This is my biggest concern right here, these photographs. The picture you see here, it's not quite normal from one side of this bow tie to the other. It's a little heavier or skewed uh, inferiorly down below. This could just be because you've had contact lenses in or from the position of your lids against your eyeball, but um, it may also mean that you have a natural inherent weakness to your actual ocular structures. So adding that extra information of understanding your genetics will allow me to know if you truly have a predisposition for such a weakness of your cornea which is where LASIK or PRK would be actually performed. So I'd like to order a genetic eye test. Performing LASIK may disrupt the strength of the healthy cornea, and you can cause unstable vision results down the line. Now, if you do no surgery, you should do great, but doing the surgery could actually disrupt that. So allow me access to your corneal genetic profile and I can assess your inherent risk for that corneal weakness. I can use this information to guide my decision on what type of surgery you can have. We can move forward with some form of surgery in your scenario. It may not be LASIK, but it may be that PRK or ICL surgeries may be better for your eyes because LASIK could fix your vision in the short run, but I want you to enjoy your excellent vision for the next 70 years. So LASIK may lead to worse vision over time, while the other surgery options would be preferred for that long-term stable vision without glasses or contacts that, be, that we both desire for you. Thank you. I hope the listeners will find this helpful. I sure did. I really liked hearing how someone else approaches this topic, and it was great to hear um, us touching on some of the same points. Yes, definitely. Thanks for joining us on Genetics and Eye Care today. If you're already in a podcast app, you know how to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening on the iTube site, just search for the CRST, the podcast, or 
The Mod Pod on a podcast platform to subscribe and get future episodes. We're taking a quick summer break in August, but we'll be back in September with a series of cases that illustrate the utility of the Avigen genetic eye test. For now, I'm Melissa Barnett. And I'm Liz Yu. Please join us next time on Genetics and Eye Care Today. 